Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Interdisciplinary Team Building, Management and Communication. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 21st, 2018. In this podcast, Mary Glover, founder of Boston Community Medical Group, provides an overview of interdisciplinary care teams and the involvement of interdisciplinary care teams at Boston Community Medical Group really appreciate the opportunity to participate in this discussion about the interdisciplinary care team. I feel those with complex needs, such as the duals population, are uniquely suited to be served by and to benefit from uh, this model. Um, next slide. Um, individuals with disabilities are much more likely to experience worse health outcomes and to experience difficulties or delays in receiving necessary health care. The unique challenges of individuals with disabilities uh, face will uh, often contribute to health disparities. Several, several common challenges are the lack of strong primary care relationship, or often PCPs lack the skills or the infrastructure required to meet the needs of those with disabilities. Some examples of this are, you know, a PCP may be unfamiliar with um, a disability, may tend to focus on that disability exclusively and perhaps not take as holistic approach as, as usual, might fail to do routine screenings, diabetes screenings, cholesterols, et cetera, or may not understand perhaps the, individual dis the individual's disability and how that might impact or increase risk in those situations. Um, the infrastructure issues, the PCP office may lack necessary equipment, such as high-low exam tables, mechanical lifts, wheelchair scales, or even if they're present, are all the staff trained to use them safely? Is there any special accommodation for mammograms, support for colonoscopy preps, or knowledge about alternative positioning for pap smears for women with spasticity or other physical issues? Is there flexibility in scheduling that allows for additional time or additional staff to be present? These are all very tangible issues that can really impact uh, someone with a disability's ability to access uh, primary care. Um, there's sometimes a lack of communication or coordination between specialists, which may lead to hospitalization or for otherwise uh, preventable complication. So the use of an interdisciplinary team can address these challenges by creating a team that assumes responsibility for the totality of a participant's care. Next slide. I think all practicing clinicians, as Chris mentioned, are accustomed to working within a multidisciplinary approach. But there is a difference between multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary, as Delissa uh, notes in rehab medicine, the interdisciplinary approach uh, brings professionals together for a common goal where team members not only need expertise in their respective discipline, but they also must be able to contribute to a group effort. The disciplines are not siloed as they may be in a traditional approach, but they are rather synergistic. Key activities of the team include evaluation, communication, and collaboration in order to develop an individualized care plan that is actionable, subject to evaluation of outcomes and goals. Next slide. Because of the complex needs of the duals population, the team must represent 
many aspects of care, not just medical, but must include behavioral health, social services, rehab needs, etc. Each discipline bringing their unique skills to the team. Another key requirement is the ability to rapidly respond to an urgent need. It may be a medical need, someone developing urinary tract infection symptoms. Can you respond quickly, get a sample, start someone on antibiotics, do an evaluation? You know, being able to intervene quickly could avoid urosepsis or a hospitalization. But it doesn't have to be a medical complication. It could be housing. Someone could be being evicted. They could be involved in a domestic violence situation. There could be a sudden loss of a caregiver, a personal care attendant. You know, so a different member of the team may be the most um, equipped to handle a housing situation, a caregiver situation. Um, so you need to be able to mobilize the most appropriate resource on your team and to do it quickly in order to manage the crisis. This is really critical um, to, um, to working with this population. Next slide. So the goal of the interdisciplinary team is to help participants receive the care they need and to achieve their identified goals. The team facilitates the participants' goal setting, problem solving, and care in a coordinated and cost-effective manner. The team also fosters communication among its different members, which is an essential key component to the participants' success. Communication must be frequent, structured, and documented. The team brings together the knowledge and specialties from various disciplines, Team members are responsible individually as well as collectively for the participants' care. Obviously, um, the participants' uh, shared decision-making is critical. A key element of disability-competent care is the recognition that the participant is central to the team. What is required by the team is an embracing of a person-centered approach that values the principles of self-determination and promotes individualized care. Next slide. Some responsibilities of the team include, as we mentioned, addressing urgent and acute episodes of care, proactively managing emerging needs as people are always changing, managing care transitions, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, assessing and creating the participants' individualized care plan, implementing and managing, overseeing the care plan, assuring that goals are being met, and if not, why not, what are the barriers, how can they be overcome, allocating care management resources, allow, um, facilitating access to services that the individual needs, and tailoring those services and supports to the unique needs of that individual. Next slide. So one of the key elements of uh, a, a successful team uh, is team meetings. You know, to accomplish this, um, team meetings really need to be a critical and essential tool for the team. It's important for the team to come together either virtually or in reality, um, to build relationships, to share information, and to work together to identify and solve problems. Many of these problems are, you know, participants present with many complex issues and needs, and it may take a village um, to, to come to consensus about the best approach. 
And so it's really important for the team to work together and to pool their knowledge and resources. Um, also, it's a learning opportunity for members of the team. Um, we can learn from each other, and it creates a continuous learning environment. There's also a tremendous amount of support that occurs in team meetings. Sometimes it can be um, a lonely <laughs> situation where a provider may really feel uh, responsible, may feel the weight of the responsibility of the care for uh, the participants that they're working with. And so it's important to be able to share that and to get support from your fellow team members. Next slide. Uh, some key concepts that are critical for an effective team meeting is, first of all, to identify a facilitator and a leader of the meeting. And the facilitator really needs to provide for all members a clear understanding of what the goals are of the meeting and to make sure that it's the participants' goals that are being addressed. Um, the meetings need to include all appropriate team members. There needs to be an agenda and structure for the meeting. The meeting should start on time. And the facilitator really needs to manage time during the meeting. Frequently, the, t the facilitator really needs to step in and suggest that a discussion, for example, be taken offline. It may be getting too detailed or, or too lengthy uh, for, for it to have value within a team meeting um, format. And so, uh, so I think the facilitator really needs to be a very active participant along those lines. Um, I, it's very helpful to have minutes taken and to distribute them promptly, usually within 24 hours. Uh, the meetings also serve a purpose of developing rapport between team members. Uh, consensus can be developed on key decisions. Uh, action plans are developed and responsibility assigned so that everyone knows their role and who's expected to do what. And most importantly, uh, this is a, uh, a, a dynamic process, and team meetings need to be constantly reevaluated and, um, and structured, perhaps changed, as your team evolves, as your practice evolves. So it's uh, very important to, uh, to constantly keep that in mind, that there may be a better way of doing things. So a little bit of my experience at Boston's Community Medical Group, as Chris mentioned, it's an interdisciplinary care practice. Originally, the focus of the practice was really on people with physical and developmental disabilities. But as the, as the practice evolved and um, served members of uh, Commonwealth Care Alliance's um, duals program, both the senior program and the under 65 program, which started in 2013, the population began to change and diversify. Uh, the under 65 duals program for us brought in a much higher uh, percentage of people who presented with serious mental illness. So that required us to um, to change this, the participation in our team. We had to, to uh, expand our behavioral health services. We uh, integrated community outreach workers uh, and expanded the scope of uh, community services that we liaised with in order to make sure we were meeting the needs of, of our new populations. 
we developed three primary care centers throughout Massachusetts, all um, focused on this um, population. So at BCMG, our teams comprised, uh, were comprised of nurse practitioners, physician assistants, physicians, Oftentimes, because we were primary care providers, um, our nurse practitioners and PAs were really the team leaders um, and sort of functioned also as the care managers for uh, the participants. Uh, we had uh, physician support, social workers, outreach workers, behavioral health specialists, rehab and durable medical equipment specialists, administrative support staff, and obviously external specialists and consultants as needed. One of the newer developments for our practice was the development of our hospitalist team. Uh, we were able to um, partner with our primary hospital to designate a specific unit where our participants would be hospitalized as if, if they required hospitalization. And um, unless they were in ICU, they would go to this unit. And we had our own hospitalist team uh, which included a physician and either a nurse practitioner or a PA. And because of this, um, we were able to develop much closer relationships and have much greater communication around hospitalizations and transitions of care. The hospitalist team would actually come to our team meetings weekly, and if they couldn't physically come, they would call into the meeting, which really, um, uh, was a was a great benefit to our participants to really ease the transition in and out of the hospital and to make sure that both inpatient team and outpatient team were knowledgeable about uh, what was going on. Um, our team meetings occurred uh, weekly for two hours. All of the clinical uh, team members participated or sent a representative. Um, so it was uh, truly an interdisciplinary discussion. We had a standardized agenda. Sorry, next slide. I keep forgetting to say that. Sorry. <laughs> a standardized agenda um, where we would make announcements that were important for the whole team to know. Um, we discussed enrollment activity. Uh, any new participants in the program were uh, presented by their primary clinicians so that the whole team was aware. It helped with being on call, et cetera, to have at least heard the story of people coming into the practice. Mostly clinical coverage and scheduling things were taken offline. We would always review all hospitalized participants, whether they were in acute, subacute um, situations. Uh, any emergency room visits in the last week, any discharges that occurred within the last week, uh, the, the following clinician would present how that went. Uh, this was good information um, for the hospital team to hear as well so that they could understand if there, were any, if there were any hiccups along the way between transitioning from inpatient to outpatient, we could talk about it. We had a 48-hour post-hospital post discharge policy where we were required to see someone within 48 hours of discharge. Often it was sooner than that. Um, and the, the clinician that would see the person was the most appropriate person. If it was medical, it would obviously be the, uh, probably the NP or the PA, but sometimes uh, if it was a behavioral health issue, it would be the behavioral health clinician who would make that follow-up visit to assure, ensure that everything went smoothly. 
we had a very open forum and a problem-oriented approach where um, any team member could really uh, identify a, a, a situation, a participant that they wanted to discuss. We also implemented morbidity and mortality rounds. One of our, our, our medical director would, uh, any time a member died or had a serious complication, our medical director would do a complete um, chart review of the situation and would do a formal presentation at our team meetings. Uh, it was a, a very good opportunity for us to, uh, as a quality check, to be sure that everything that was done should have been done, that uh, there wasn't anything not done that should have been done. Um, and often it would also be an opportunity to really support the caregivers on the team who had perhaps lost a member. And um, that would often, you know, our members we had for many, many years. And so sometimes that would be a very difficult thing for our caregiver team members. So um, uh, it was an opportunity to, to provide support for them as well. So I know I'm running uh, over, so I want to make sure Cindy uh, gets her, her share of the time here. Um, so I will just um, close really by saying that, again, the team meeting is, is always in evolution. It's important to constantly be reevaluating where you are. Uh, there is now more technology involved, so um, that might allow for more flexibility with uh, remote monitoring, telemedicine, EMRs, Skyping, etc. I think it allows for uh, perhaps um, more creativity in uh, in bringing teams together. And uh, so just in summary, I just think the interdisciplinary approach where we can integrate various disciplines in a coordinated and non-fragmented manner achieves really positive outcomes that would not otherwise be possible for very complex members. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website, or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.